Welcome to the Ray of Hope Church podcast. We believe that hope changes everything, so get ready for an encouraging message from the Word of God. We pray that you would receive wisdom and revelation as you grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Don't you just love countdowns? That's what we're talking about today is countdowns, how to be successful during countdowns. So glad you guys are here. Turn around and say hi to your neighbor. Tell them they're looking beautiful. Wasn't that great worship? Oh, my goodness. I already feel like I have a workout. I love it. Yeah. I love I hate to break up a wonderful talk back and forth. Let's pray. I always do that to my youth. They'll be talking really loud. I'll be like, let's pray. And everybody shuts up, and I'll just go on speaking. Get them every time. But I won't do that to y'all because I like y'all. No, I'm just playing. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Thank you for your hand in our lives, God. What an amazing time of worship, God. We know that your presence is here, and we are grateful for that tonight. Today, God, as we endeavor to dig into your word, speak to our hearts and change us, God. We don't just come in here to call ourselves Christians, but we come in here that you might speak to our hearts and change us, God, that we could reach a dying and lost world for your kingdom. Everybody says? Amen. Amen. How are you guys? It's good. I had a great cup of coffee this morning, if you're wondering why I'm like this. No, I'm, I'm excited to be in front of you guys. We're going to talk out of two different verses this morning. We're going to talk out of Genesis 6. We're going to talk a little bit about Noah. And then we're going to flip towards Peter, 1 Peter, and he is writing, and he also talks about the end of, end of age. Now, we're not going to talk about the doomsday, okay? That's not what we're going to talk about, so everybody take a, take a breath there. Yeah, had enough of that on News Channel, huh? So... Everybody's prepping. Why are you buying 20 pounds of flour? You never know, man. You never know. So I understand. So we're not going to get into that. But what I I believe that uh, this shows us is that there are countdowns in our life, right? Just like we saw up there with the rock or the moon. And, of course, it was uh, we know that we've seen that countdown with rockets. In Houston, we have a problem. But in our life... We have the big countdown. We know that one day God's going to wind all this stuff up, and whether we meet you up there or in the air, we're going to be together, amen? But we also know that there are small countdowns in our life as well, things that we look forward to, things that happen that we've got to try to move forward to. And we know it's kind of hard to explain, right? But we just know when it started, and we know, thank God, sometimes when it ended, amen? But we think back, and we're like, dude, that's when that started. So here in Genesis 6, God's talking to Noah. And Noah said, I have, uh, God said to Noah, I have determined to make all end, uh, to make an end of all flesh, for the earth is filled with violence through them. Behold, I will destroy them in the earth. Now, here Peter is beginning to say the same thing in chapter 4, verse 7. Now, God is not saying he's going to end the world, but you see that Peter feels a sense of urgency, which I think is incredibly important because Peter's job at the time, he doesn't realize it, but later we're going to read this, and we need to feel that same urgency in our spirit, right? The worst thing that we can become, in my opinion, is a comfortable Christian. I even hate that word, yeah. And I like a recliner and a cup of iced tea, I dig that, okay? But that's not my life. That's part of it and pieces of it. But we cannot be a comfortable Christian. And here Peter is reassuring us that we should not want to become that. And I'll try not to turn around so you guys can constantly see this pretty face, okay? This pretty face, okay? It's bad. Okay, let's go ahead and start. First Peter 4, 7 through 10, it says, The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled, sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Now, that's a very important part. Why is he asking us to be self-controlled and... Um, Sober-minded for the sake of your prayers, okay? 
Above all, keep um, loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as God's stewards of God's uh, as stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. And everybody says. Amen. I love it when we say amen together because we echo with millions of saints through the eternity. Oh, man, I love that, right? Through the past centuries, many people have said amen. And when we do that, we just grab their hand and say, we believe it too. Now, in our lives, we have these countdowns. And it seems to change, right? When you're young, you're looking forward to a countdown. Man, if I can just make it second grade, right? It's the, it's a, and it's funny. Whenever you're young, it's like, I'm nine and a half. Right? When you get older, no, I'm 37. And I'm 37 until the day I turn 38. You know what I mean? I ain't no 37 and a half. No. 37, you know? And women stay 26 their entire life. So praise, praise God for y'all. Yeah, right? Right? But when you're young, you know, you're trying to make it to that. I'm nine and a half, nine and three quarters. You don't even know what nine and three quarters is. It just sounds good, right? If I can just go to junior high, whew, then they have no idea, man. I tell you, one of the hardest places on earth is a junior high lunchroom. My goodness. Walking in there with your tray. Ugh, scary, scary, right? Or the vacations. You guys remember when you used to count down to vacations? Maybe you still do. Oh, I remember when I was a kid, we used to go to uh, Lake Murray. There'd be no Elephant Rock Dock, and you could jump off of those. We'd go to Lake Tex home to Catfish Cove to camp, and I would, I would just count down the days till we could do it. Oh, and then I remember those last trips in the boat. It almost makes me cry thinking about it now. But those last trips going in the boat, and I would, sometimes I would cry because I knew we were going to dock the boat for the last time that week. Oh, everybody go, oh, yeah, see, you feel my pain, and I appreciate that. But sometimes I would cry, because it was the countdown, that was the opposite, right? It wasn't a countdown. I counted down to the week to get there, and then you had so much fun, you started counting down. Then you go into high school, and you're looking forward to graduation, your first car. You know, parents, on the other hand, are thinking, how am I going to pay for this sucker? Kids are like, I can't wait, you know, right? Prom which hasn't, you know, didn't get to happen last year like we thought it would, but you got all these promposals and different things like that. Then college graduation or starting a career after high school, and then we think marriage will fix everything. I can't wait to get married. <laughs> the Bible talks about how we should treat each other in marriage because we have problems with that, right? Yeah, marriage will fix everything. No, kids will fix everything. No, they don't either, right? They complicate things. Now, they're worth every nickel, right? Amen? Amen. But... We got these countdowns, oh, I remember, and I'm going to tell them Mary here, Mary was seven, eight, nine months pregnant, something like that, and she would woke up one morning at five o'clock in the morning or something like that. It was early. She looks at me fully dressed, her hand on the bedroom door, and says, are you ready to go eat? And my eyes pop open in bed at five o'clock, I'm like, I guess, let's go, you know, right? Count, but we get part of that countdown, oh, we know it's getting close, right? And then you get older in life, and you have children, and then you have countdowns like, I wonder what we're going to do whenever my daughter starts to date. And you see the sharpening of knives and the loading of shotguns, you know. It's funny, you stage stuff like you're out on the front chair in a rocking chair. You don't, you've never dipped enough before, but you do something just to spit to look mean. You know what I mean? A big chaw. You've never done it. You're, you know, the boy leaves and you're throwing up everywhere. But boy, that, that five minutes, right? Yeah. yeah, it's a southern thing. It's a southern thing, right? Okay. <laughs> it's true. You guys know it's true, right? Oh, you got to worry about all that stuff, and then you got to worry about getting my kids through high school and college. Maybe you, have a, maybe you have a countdown, man. If we do this for the next three years, five years, we can be debt-free. 
I'm this far away from paying my house off. Uh, man, I wonder how we're going to do the wedding with children. And then as you get older, even retirement. And ultimately, we know that James talks about life being as a vapor, right? So we ultimately know that there's a countdown to death, which is not what we want to hear, right? But we ultimately know that God says the days are numbered, and we have to prepare for that. Now, some of those are really funny, right? And we understand that. But there's also more serious countdowns that we have to be aware of. The other day, and uh, the other day, I, we go out to eat lunch with some veterans we hosted. And hey, Hodge, how are you, man? I learned so much, man, from these different guys, and I could go through the crowd and name them. But well, there were about 16 or 70. And I was lit up, man. I, I was, uh, you know how you just feel like Superman? You know, I'm hearing all their stories and in boats and fighting and, and believing in our country. And I'm one of those patriotic guys, dude. I love our military. I thank God for the sacrifice, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm just that type of guy. And I know that all you guys, many of you are too as well. And, I uh, mean, they just started, you know, sharing all these stories. And I saw the camaraderie. And I left out there with my chest puffed out thinking, man, this is awesome. I love it. Get on my phone, go to Spotify, find a, a whole section of, of military cadences that I've been playing in my car, right? One, two, three, four, you know, that type of thing, you know? Yeah, super boring to most people. Love it, love it, right? So I'm feeling on the top of the world. So Saturday, that day after, man, I'm like, dude, I can, I can do it. So I wake up that morning, I go for about a five-mile bike ride, no problem, right? I'm thinking, man, 37-year-old back, yeah, right, dude, these older people don't know what they're talking about. I got an 18-year-old back. Decide, yeah, yeah, that was stupid. Okay, so I go on my five-mile bike ride. Everything's groovy, man. No problems, right? Okay, so I go on, and I think, well, I'm going to do 20 laps in my pool. Down and back's one lap. I'm going to do 20 laps. Then my daughter says, hey, let's go out and ride bikes again. So I go out and ride bikes again. Then I come home, and I think, ah, I'm going to get on the rower that I have. So I row about 3,900 meters or so, right? Oh, yeah, and I'm feeling good, man, feeling good in the neighborhood like Applebee's, right? I'm, I'm feeling good. Then my, my sister-in-law comes over, and we want to ride bikes again somewhere in there. So we ride bikes at least two or three times that day. And I kid you not, maybe twice. And then uh, she decides, well, I haven't got enough steps, so let's go out and finish my steps, which is about a mile. So we walk a mile. And then to top it all off, I have a really great idea. I'm going to come home and swim another 20 laps in my pool. Yeah. Dude, I'm Sunday, no problems, man. I'm getting up Sunday, rocking and rolling, everything feels good. Get up Monday, kind of feel a little twinge in my back. <laughs> Callie wants to go out and ride bikes one more time. I'm like, cool, let's go, man. I got a 21-year-old back, and plus 16. Um, <laughs> get on my bike, and by the time I get done with my bike ride, it's no longer a twinge, you know what I mean? I sit down on the couch, and I don't get back up from the couch. <laughs> calling doc i'm like doc what's going on good news i wasn't dying i was just an idiot but you know he, <laughs> he gave me some stuff but i tell you all that to tell you i didn't realize it but there was a countdown yeah i didn't realize that when i had done that last row or when i'd done that last stroke in the pool or whenever it was i don't really know but there was a countdown going on inside my body and we all face similar similar countdowns to that now the first ones we talked about were all pretty funny but there's also uh, even more serious ones, right? Which are all serious, but just handled in a different way. You know, they're not so much bliss. In fact, they're overwhelming. We face tragedy. And we know the memories will last forever, but the pain seems like it'll last forever too, right? We had to start that countdown of how do we move forward from this. Current situation right now, right? We understand the government's doing what it can, and we appreciate that. We have job loss and stimulus plans and unemployment. But what do we do when that runs out? Several things that people are facing right now. 
the countdown to I'm going back to work as a teacher, as administrator, as different situations. And how does this all look with the COVID deal? The countdown has started, and we feel it, right? You feel the pressure on that. How's this going to be? What this is going to look like? We go on, and we understand the terrible evil in the world, right? Every time we turn on the TV, we're like, whoa. It just keeps getting worse and worse, the political and social unrest. And if we get so honed in on those countdowns in our life, because remember, as we understand that life's a vapor, then we understand that those countdowns are even smaller than that. However, they seem like forever, right? Yeah, look at your neighbor and say forever. Drag it out. Yeah, didn't that feel good? No, didn't feel good at all, right? Because we don't want things to last forever except for eternity with Jesus, right? That's why we want to last forever. But sometimes we can get our priorities out of whack because we focus on that. Can't focus on anything else. We don't prepare for the future. We become self-absorbed. We learn. We don't learn from the experience, that countdown that we went through. Instead, we're so honed in that maybe we never even escape it. Kind of like that back pain. I promise you, when I was on that couch, you know what I was concerned about? My back. That was it. Matter of fact, I, I tell this, Callie was so good, but she's hilarious, right? So whenever you have back pain, you laugh. It even hurts more. So, like, I'm walking. Like, I'm getting up off the I'm walking like this. You know, I'm just edging. Can you believe my daughter makes fun of me? Hey, Dad, who am I? Uh, yeah, looks like I have worse problems than back pain, right? So, but they, you know, <laughs> they prodded, prodded me and poking me. But that's okay. But I promise you, at that point, it was so consuming in that moment that I was ready to get down. Now, good news is something broke. Somebody prayed for me yesterday. At about 4 o'clock, everything started feeling a lot better. But I can promise you at that time, it was one of those moments where it was just all consuming. And we know those countdowns, right? We know when we have those. And Noah had that same countdown. Think about this. One day you're worried about your family feeding them. The next day God comes to you and says, hey, I want you to build a boat that's really, really big. And you're going to put your whole family on it because I'm about to destroy the earth. So priorities must change at that point, right? Things must change. Think about Peter. Peter's called from a fisherman into the discipleship, begins to follow Jesus for three years. At one point, Jesus even looks at him and says, Peter, are you ready to die for me? Because it's going to happen. Priorities must change. The countdown has begun. So whenever Peter begins to write about the end of the world, we can understand how he has that, um, he doesn't have a complacency about it. He doesn't necessarily think it's going to happen the day after he writes it, but he says, listen, this is a real thing. It's really going to happen. And as we go through these different countdowns and things like that, it's okay to have that urgency. Noah had it, and Peter had it. Now, as I look past what they were doing, I found three things that I believe, three secrets that really screamed out to me. We're going to make it really simple. Believing, building, and boarding. As I looked at that, I saw that Noah and Peter believed that they built still during that time of the countdown, and then they finally got on the ship, or he finally got on with whatever God had called him to do. And what we're going to do is we're going to take Noah as the example, but I can link it to Peter, how Peter really kind of fleshes it out a little bit more in the sense of everyday things that we can do, okay? Now, thinking Peter and Noah, what do they have in common? Well, I can tell you by the end of the term, both of them believed in boats. One of them never seen a boat before he built it. Think about it. It never rained or anything. Possibility of him seeing a boat? Maybe never. It didn't have any recorded that Noah was necessarily a fisherman, right? But both of them believed in boats. Think about this. Both of them understood the cleansing power of water. Noah saw it firsthand whenever God cleansed the earth. Peter saw it upon baptism whenever he got to witness for himself not only Jesus Christ being baptized, but then himself at some point getting baptized. And he understood that it is the resurrection and the life. Isn't that amazing? 
So there's more that they share than we realize sometimes. So the first thing that I see here, the secret that screams at me is believing. Obviously, Noah believed. Now, let's put some scriptures here together in the Bible, okay? And, and right above where it says that he's going to end the world, get ready, Noah, which is the Matt version there. It, it, he, the Bible says that Noah shows that he believes, and Noah's, Noah was a just man, perfect in all of his generations. Now, that's not perfect as Christ is perfect. If we look over at Job, remember the Bible says that Job was a perfect and upright man. did not mean perfect as Christ is perfect. It means as perfect as man can be. Does that make sense? So he was looking down at a world that was utterly lost, and he said, no, I found Noah, which is perfect and righteous. Now, we know that, that at some point Noah had to believe. Not only does he start building the ark, but we also read in Hebrews 11 and 6 where we know it's impossible to please God without faith. Everybody follow me? And then we read in Malachi 3 and 6 where it says that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen? Okay? Actually, it says, for the Lord does not change. Okay? Now, if we take those scriptures and we understand that if the Lord doesn't change from today, the same God that Noah serves is the same God that I serve. Okay? So if he required faith in Noah to believe, guess what he's going to require from us? And not only does he require it, he even says what? It's impossible without it. Okay? So we know that for God to look down and say that he is the just, righteous man in all of his generations, he was doing something to please God. He was doing the impossible. Okay? He was doing the impossible. And then uh, through Peter's, we can um, see there um, where, where he says, create in Christ Jesus to do good work. So Ephesians 2 and 20 um, Paul was writing, and he said, listen, we are created to do good works, okay? Part of our belief system was created to do things, okay? So we know that what? Noah built the ark, so he was doing good things, okay? Now, Peter goes on to write there um, in, in the Scripture. I want you guys to pay. I, I almost overlooked this, but I think it's really important, okay? It says, the end of all things is at hand, therefore be. Sometimes we overlook that. Whenever Peter is saying, therefore be, he is saying what Paul said, okay? Paul says in Ephesians 5, he said, therefore be imitators of Christ. Because this is what we're supposed to do. He says, let this become your life. Let this become who you are. Reflect Christ in all your ways. Does that make sense? It doesn't mean just when people's watching. It means in the closet when nobody's watching. My character is the same. Therefore be. And then he goes on and says, okay, be what? Well, at the end of that verse, he talks about the importance of prayer. If we're really going to believe in our countdown, then we have to have a prayer life. Okay, understand, not rocket science, right? Not rocket science. But I think it's amazing what Peter here says, because at the end of that verse, he says what? He says, for the sake of your prayers. I love Peter because he's assuming that we have a prayer life. What a wonderful saint. He's saying, listen, the people that I'm writing to, obviously you are praying, and that's great. But in that, he says, therefore be, therefore pray, okay? Philippians, we see that echoed again by Paul where he says, in everything, pray. Now, he says, for the sake of your prayer life. So he, we've, we've established that we must have some sort of prayer life. Now, what does that prayer life look like as a believer, okay? So that I can find success and effective. How many of you guys like leftovers? Yeah, I don't mind leftovers if they're good. If they're bad leftovers, I don't want them. You know what I mean? Four-day-old pizza, not my thing, okay? Not my thing. Couple hours, I'll pop one in my mouth. Man, I'll even put it in the microwave. You know what I mean? Cold pizza, love it. God is saying, listen, I want you to go through this countdown with leftovers that are good. That way, not only can you look back on it and make it through your next countdown, you can look back and help somebody else who's going through something similar, amen? So prayer life is crucial to that. But what does that prayer life look like? Well, he says, be self-controlled. Or another version says, be serious, 
Okay? He said, be self-controlled. Now, Romans 7 and 8, this is Paul. This is Paul's seriousness that he attacks his Christendom with. Okay, He says, I understand that I'm a Christian, but he says this, for I know that good itself does not dwell in me. That is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. Paul is being extremely serious whenever he begins to write to the Romans. He's saying, listen, my old nature, my sinful nature, makes it impossible for me to do good. Matter of fact, I know to do good, but I cannot carry it out. What example do we get for that? Paul took it serious. He understood he had to have some self-control. He had to have some help, right? 2 Timothy 3 they begin to put how important self-control is on a pedestal. And we know that because they begin, Paul writes to Timothy and he compares being self, if you're not self-controlled to things like this. So if a person has no self-control in their life, he puts them with people who are slanderous. He puts them with people who are brutal. This is a tough one. He puts it with people having the form of godliness, but not the power thereof. He also goes on, he says, listen, he says, unforgiving people, and he says, listen, in the last days, there's going to be these type of people. And this is Paul's instruction. The end of that verse, the end of chapter 3 there in those verses, he says, have nothing to do with these people. So whenever we don't have self-control, whenever we don't take it serious, God's saying, this is the people that we're like. And we don't want to be like those people, amen. No, we want to go in self-controlled. I don't know about you guys. Sometimes a practical way to walk this out for me is I write stuff down. Anybody go into prayer time with a notepad? Yeah, sometimes I write people's name down. Okay, if I'm going to pray for my state, national, local government, what does that actually look like, you know? I remember when I first got saved, God bless the birds, bees, trees, and me, amen. You know what I mean, okay? And that's great when you're like saved yesterday. But you know, at some point here, we, <laughs> we can grow in, you know? And, and this is how I do it. So this is a practical way for me. How would I want that person praying for me? I'd want that person praying for me in the best way that they can. And if that's God bless the birds and the bees and Matt Chambers, amen. But if that's, Lord, we're raining down heaven, like take the throne stool of God and shake it for you, you know, that way God's Holy Spirit can come into your life, then praise God and I'll settle down, okay? All right, I'll settle down. So that seriousness that we see with self-control, a controlled, focused prayer life is crucial in believing, okay? And then he goes on to say, listen, don't only be self-controlled, okay, but I want you to be sober-minded. I want you to be watchful. Okay, and Titus, now this is how important this is. In Titus, Paul writes this to Titus. He goes, listen, he goes, as a young man, as a young person, what I want you to do is be sober-minded. And what he was saying this, it's really easy when you're young to get distracted. There's so many cares in the world and we're always looking at that next step, right? I know for me, as I got married, as I began to have a family, my plans began to be five, 10, 20 years down the road, Amen. But in high school, for me, a lot of times it was Friday night to Friday night to Friday night, if that much, right? And it was only Friday night to Friday night if I didn't have a test on Monday or something, which half the time I wasn't prepared for anyway, so it doesn't matter. But I'm just, it makes me sound like a good student, you know what I mean? So it's important, though. Do your studies, okay? Don't be like me, okay? Do as I say, not as I do. No, I'm playing. That's not, that's not Bible, okay? Follow me as I follow God. Okay, here we go. Titus 2.12. Teaching us that denying godliness and worldly lust, we shall live soberly. So what is he saying? The opposite of soberly. If we don't live with a watchful eye, then we're going to get consumed by worldly lust. And remember, Satan's a schemer. He's not going to come say, hey, I'm the devil. Come join my wagon. No, he's going to dip the onion in the caramel, and you won't know it until you bite into it because you think it's an apple. 
That's, that's what he's going to do, right? Because he's a schemer. But Paul here is saying, listen, this is so important to be watchful. And think about this. If I'm watchful, that doesn't mean I'm consumed by news and all this other stuff. But if I'm watchful in what I'm doing, it's going to totally affect my prayer life. Because I'm going to be praying for some very specific things. God, I believe in your word, and this is what you said your word's going to happen. This is what I see is happening here. God, let's, I'm, I'm coming to you to combat the forces of hell. Amen? But be soberly minded and watchful. That was very crucial to believers. This is what Peter was saying. And if we look at the life of Noah, we can see that. Okay? Paul was taught, I mean, he had, think about this. Has God ever spoken to you as clearly as he did to Noah? I mean, he gave him specific instructions. That's pretty amazing. That's a pretty good prayer life, you know what I mean? They, they, you know, gopher wood, I don't even know what gopher wood is, okay? But he was talking to him, this is how I want you to make it, and this is how big and everything else, right? I don't know if God's ever been that specific with me. It shows you the communication that he had, and this is the, the kicker. He had that type of communication in a godless world, so much so that God said, I'm going to destroy it, okay? Now, so what's some hindrances to praying? If I'm supposed to be focused, I'm supposed to be watchful, what are some things that I can combat in my prayer life? The first thing, I was talking to my wife yesterday, I said, you'll never guess what the first thing is. It's super theological. You know what stops a lot of prayers from going to heaven? She looked at me and she said, not praying. I said, that's number one. When you don't pray, you don't ask, you don't get, right? Number one, really simple, okay? James 4 to 7, you have not because you ask not, Okay? And indifference, whenever we don't have a prayer life, it shows that indifference to the word. In Proverbs, it says that. Maybe lazy, busyness, lack of faith, that type of thing, that all goes up underneath not praying, right? We always, we, we have an excuse, and God's like, no, make time, okay? The, number, the second thing that would be is sin. Maybe we have some kind of unconfessed sin. Maybe we have a covetous, oh, praying to get, you know? God, my neighbor has a really nice truck, and I know that I serve you. Yeah, but it doesn't mean you need that truck, you know what I mean, okay? And we've all been there, okay? We, we say that funny, but we've all been there. Maybe an unforgiving or bitterness spirit, that kind of sin that we haven't taken to the Lord, right? I was talking to my kids in Sunday school this today, and I said the most important reason why you need to understand that God's a loving God is because when you go to him on your knees, you're really going to be truthful with who you are because you realize he's loving. Don't go lie in prayer, right? Just, God, this is who I am, and this is, this is what I need. Okay, strained relationships is another reason why our, our, our prayers can't be answered. Matthew 5, 23 and 24, it talks about having strained relationships with uh, the spiritual family. And then also we see with husbands and wives later in Peter, 1 Peter 3 and 17, he talks about how prayers can be hindered. Uh, also, failure time to spend in the word. Many times the word will, not many times the word will show us what to pray, amen. It'll really reveal who we are while we're praying. And then the last one there is self-dependence versus the Holy Spirit. Okay, well, the reason why that's so important is because we put God in his sovereignty. We say, God, I am truly asking you to help me here. I don't know about you guys. Does anybody else have a problem sometimes asking for help? And sometimes it's not because we're trying to be ugly or mean, right? Sometimes it's because of the seriousness we take the task. God, you've given this into my hands, and I want to complete it to the best of my ability. And I don't want to be a wimp going around asking everybody for help, right? That's kind of what we think. Because we want to do it to the best of our ability. But whenever we do that, sometimes we take God out of his sovereignty because we're not completing the task like we need to, and he needs it done. And he's trying to prove to us the power and the love of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And if we say, Holy Spirit, I need your help. I don't see how I can complete this on my own. That's when we're really getting somewhere because that's what God was trying to prove to us anyways, right? You cannot do this alone. You have to have me. Now, how do we live like Noah? 
I'm, 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 I'm morally correct in a bankrupt world. Okay, let's put it with Acts 1 and 8. Acts 1 and 8 says, and you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Now, that word power is critical in there, okay? It, it, it's where we get our English word dynamo. If you look it up in the Greek and all the other stuff, you can look it up in the Strong's. Absolutely, okay? But it also, so dynamite, so it's like a power for miracle working. That means we can pray for people and they get healed. We can pray for situations and God changes them, amen? We still believe that. But that word also goes a little bit deeper. It means to be morally correct in a morally bankrupt world. It gives us the power that we can overcome a morally bankrupt world. Isn't that amazing? So now when we look back and we realize that we have the help of the Holy Spirit, I have to have the help of the Holy Spirit to be watchful. God, teach me the things that I need to be watchful for. Teach me to really be serious when I go in my prayer life because these other guys were. You could tell that Peter was, amen? So we believe. The next thing that we see is we see them bored, okay? Not, or excuse me, we see them building. So now we go from believing, the second secret is building, Okay? So, super theological, how do we know that Noah built? We have the ark. Pretty good indication somebody built the boat, right? Okay, so that one's not very complicated there. But Peter kind of fleshes that out for us. Peter's in the building part now, and when you're going through your countdown, okay, you're going to have to do work, and we know that. For, for Noah, you're going to have to build this boat, Okay? It will save you, but you're going to have to build it. Now, we know that was with the Lord's help. In Peter, verses 8 and 9, he says to do this. He says, keep loving an, an, another earnestly and showing hospitality. Two different things. We're going to love and we're going to show hospitality. Now, they're together, but they're still separate. Okay, Because whenever we build, we're, not just, we're building the kingdom of God and we're also building ourselves. And in that countdown that we have in our life, whether it's tragic, whether we're excited about it or whatever it is, as we believe that God's going to take us through it, he's going to continue the blessing, then we're not just going to stay at believe. We're going to start building. Whatever God tells us to do, we're going to start doing that. Now, Peter says it like this. He says to love one another earnestly or honestly. So letting the Bible interpret the Bible, if we go back to 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7, I'm not going to read it all, but I'm going to give you some key points. How do we love earnestly? To one another. Well, the first thing that we do, the scripture says, is we show patience. We show kindness. We're not boastful. We're not rude. We're not pushy. We're not short-tempered. We're not resentful. Somebody else gets something, I'm going to be excited with them. Amen. Oh, here's how, we're not going to be excited in doing things wrong. If we look on our TVs, if we look at the world, there's a whole lot of excitement out there about really evil stuff. God says, no, true love, you stay away from that. Matter of fact, true love rejoices in truth. It bears each other's burdens. It believes in people. Think about Peter there. He wrote believing that we had prayer lives. Amen, right? Amen. He didn't assume we didn't, but he assumed that we did. Hope in people that humanity will get better. Now, we know it's only through Jesus Christ, but we can. And then that last part there, true love has endurance. True love has endurance. So whenever Peter's talking to love one another earnestly, we can look back and say, man, there's a lot of ways that we can build the kingdom. Patience with people, kindness, and loving. And then he says, why do we love in that way? Well, that next line says this, since love covers a multitude of sins. That does not mean that the love that I have for you will wash away your sin. Jesus Christ can do that, right? Proverbs talks about hatred Proverbs 10 and 12, it says, hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all offenses. Whenever I love in a pure, honest, and true way, what happens is that sin that I want to commit is covered because it's the love that wells up inside of me. 
when I really want to say something I shouldn't say, nope, I've got love in my heart. I'm going to do what I need to do. When I feel like quitting, but God's telling me to do it anyways, I have that love for him, and it wells up. Does that make sense? So that love that I have for him is what covers that sin, okay? It covers that sin. It helps it where I don't go forward in sin, but I go forward in love. It helps us to move on. It causes us to, ooh, here's a big one. It causes us to walk in prevention, right? Sometimes some of our mistakes could be prevented. God, reveal the Holy Spirit to me. And then the second thing that he says there, how do we build? We show hospitality. This is funny. You guys, did you guys catch the warning that he gives? How does he say show hospitality? Without grumbling, right? What is he inferring there? There's going to be times that you're going to be showing hospitality. You're going to be uh, doing things for people that you're going to seem unfair. Amen? Some things that's going to want to make you complain because you're going to feel overlooked. You're going to feel underappreciated. Sometimes we are just selfish, and sometimes we just complain about it. Amen? God, but Peter's saying through, through his instruction here, listen, showing hospitality, you're going to build the kingdom. But it comes with a price. You're going to feel like complaining, but don't complain. There was a lady, excuse me, there was an individual, PC here, right, politically correct, okay? There was an individual that came up to a pastor, and they said, Pastor, I'm tired of this church. I want to leave. And the pastor looked at him graciously and he said, okay, I want you to do me a favor. He said, I want you to carry this cup of water around. And he said, this morning in service, if you carry this cup of water around while we're shaking hands, and I want you to come back, and if you don't spill a drop of it, you have my blessing to leave my church. Then he was like, okay, that's easy. So they're carrying that glass of water around, looking at that water, looking at that water, not bumping anybody. He comes back to the pastor a couple minutes later and says, I didn't drop a drop. And the lady looks, and he looks, at the, uh, the pastor looks at the lady and says, you know why? She goes, why? He goes, because you were paying attention to your water instead of somebody else's water. That's how hospitality works. I do feel overworked. God, you are asking me to do some things that I might not think is fair, but if I will take care of what I'm supposed to take care of and not take care of what somebody else is supposed to take care of, you know what I mean? Then I will be able to keep my glass full. Amen. But showing hospitality is critical. Now, the third thing that we see here, okay, so we're, we're going to believe, we're going to build, and then we're going to board. So in our countdown, keep believing that God's going to move, keep having that prayer life, keep building the kingdom in yourselves, but then we're going to go on to the third secret that screams out to me is boarding. Noah actually boarded this ark, amen? Think about this. He goes on, he, he builds, he, he boards this ark, and he goes on with his entire family and all the animals, and we know that, Okay? Many people stop at this point, though. Many people stop at this point. Think about how crazy it would be for all the work and effort to build this church. You guys believe for the money that God's going to build a church out here in the middle of, middle of the hill. So we saved and did all these different things for it. Then we're going to build the church. But how about if we never would have had Sunday school or service in here? We never boarded it, right? But some people do that in their Christian faith. They hear about Jesus and they start believing they begin to build themselves because they learn more and more. And then God says, no, now it's time to board your ministry, to board your gift. And they're standing outside their gift like Noah would be at the ark just looking up and saying, I don't know if I can do this. Because this is what Peter says. Peter says, each um, has, a, has received a gift. Use it to serve one another. That's how Peter says to board. In that countdown, don't forget to serve with your gift. And this is where I'll end at. Think about how important this is. Peter is, or, uh, Peter is saying, board your gift. Now, if we look up at Noah, Noah boards, and who shuts the door of the ark? God. He's in his gift that God had given him, 
He had to build it and he had to do the work, but don't think it wasn't a gift, especially when the floodwaters came, amen? God shut the door and in in his gift, he was safe and secure. Whenever we will step back and if we're called to be a teacher or a preacher or we're called to give, we're called to love whatever our gifting is, if we'll walk in it, God will shut that door behind us and we will figure out how safe and secure and how we'll begin to rise above what used to have us trapped. But we have to walk in our gift. And as I begin to think about that, I begin to think about Romans eleven twenty nine, For the gifts and the callings of God are without repentance. God shuts the door. He says, no, I'm this, I'm, I'm, I've done this on purpose. I've given you this. And then as I read Romans 8 and 39, 38 and 39, I begin to understand. For I'm sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things of the present, things that come, powers, height, or depth, anything else in all creation will be able to separate us. Why? Because I'm committed. I'm in love with God, and I'm walking in the gift that he's given me. He shut the door, and there is no backing up. Listen, this countdown that you're going through, you believe that God is going to continue to make you even stronger believer. You're going to be a better builder by the time it's over with. Amen. And God is going to shut that door as you board whatever it is, whether, it's, whether you're excited that it's over or whether it's some kind of tragedy. God is going to keep you moving. Weather and Wendy, would you guys come forward? I'm going to end with this story. Michael Jr. is a great comedian. I love him. He tells a story as he went to the Dolphin House. The Dolphin House is a place where abused children go. And he was warned. He said, he said Michael, there's this little young boy. He wears a Spider-Man costume. And the reason why he does that is because he went through some pretty serious abuse when he was a young kid. And he feels invisible. He, he, wants, he doesn't want anybody to notice him. So when he, he feels like a superhero, so to speak, whenever he puts the Spider-Man costume on. Just be ready for that. Now, Michael Jr. has a gift to make people laugh. He's really funny. But he said he had to change his gift because instead of trying to extract laughs from people, he said, I had to change my gift, and now I want to give people the opportunity to laugh. And he said, how do you do that? You go into the Dolphin House. He said, that's what I did. I just went in there, and I began to do my, my routine, and I gave people an opportunity to laugh. And he said, people were laughing, and before he knew it, a voice comes from that Spider-Man costume, begins to speak to him. And this is huge because he wouldn't have done this before. Michael Jr. Has a, has, has a storybook, and he gives it to him. And he runs up from his caregiver and goes to Michael Jr. to receive that book and go sit down. About a year later, after this comedy show and all that had happened, he got a letter from that boy in, in the, in the, in the um, Dolphin House. And in it said, this boy began to make great strides. Matter of fact, he had taken off the Spider-Man mask. And he was really being who he was and true to it. Why is that such a powerful story? Because we are supposed to walk in the gift that God's given us. And it can change other people's life. It changed the life of Noah's family because he went into his gift. Peter walked in his gift and now we get to read scriptures of him pouring out his heart that our lives could be forever changed. Why? Because we're walking in our gift. Because during the midst of the countdown, I'm gonna continue to believe, to build, and to board. Would you bow your heads with me? We are so thankful you joined us today. We would love to hear from you at rayofhopepodcast at gmail.com. Let us know how you were encouraged and how we can pray for you. Remember, Christ in you is the hope of glory, and hope changes everything.